Hello and welcome to the first episode of Let's Talk ESG, a podcast series by Linklaters. I'm Deepika Sriram. With COP27 UN Climate Summit around the corner, there is a renewed focus on the Middle East to show leadership and initiative on tackling issues of climate change. So we're taking this opportunity to speak with a range of industry experts on the ESG landscape in the region and the journey to net zero. And we start our podcast journey today with Ibrahim Alzubi. Ibrahim is the Chief Sustainability Officer at the retail giant Majid Alphatem. He has spearheaded several sustainability and CSR initiatives and was recognized as one of the top 100 thought leaders in Europe and the Middle East by the Center for Sustainability and Excellence. He's also authored the book, How to Net Positive, that goes to the heart of some of the things we will be talking about today. Ibrahim, I am so thrilled to have you on board to help us kick off our ESG podcast series. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me and hello everyone. Ibrahim, you are the Chief Sustainability Officer at Majid Al-Fatem. Tell us, what does that role entail and how are you setting the ESG tone for your organization? Uh, thank you very much. Um, I consider myself as the custodian of the sustainability strategy of Majid Al-Fatem. And Majid Al-Fatem, we have, uh, I, I'm on the CSO on a group level. And our businesses from retail to properties, uh, leisure entertainment and cinemas, as well as lifestyle. So we have a sustainability strategy that based on triple bottom line approach, planet, profit, people. Um, uh, my job is to ensure that uh, strategy is embedded on the day to day business. It's in the heart of everything we do as well as we are on track of our long-term and short-term KPIs and targets when it comes to sustainability. In the last couple of years, I started to work with uh, colleagues in finance and treasury to translate what does it mean being a sustainable business and what better than showing a return on, of an investment of sustainability initiatives, especially when it comes to the environment on the ESG. ESG stands for Environment, Social and Governance. Uh, I report talking about governance. I report uh, to the board as well as the CEO. We have, although we are privately owned, but we are governed by a board. Uh, we issue a sustainability and ESG report on an annual basis that is assured and audited by third party. Uh, the last couple of years, I've been in charge of the sustainable finance transactions, which covers uh, the first global benchmark for Green Sukuk, which is actually our compliance bonds. Uh, around, uh, we did $1.2 billion on two rounds, 600 million, 600 million, an average of four to five times oversubscribed and also a sustainability linked loan of 1.5, as well as bonds for six, green bonds for 600 million. And to do that, I was in charge of uh, talking to uh, investors uh, across the world uh, on how is uh, our environmental performance and the best way to use this and to talk to them, to talk to bankers and investment banks was to use an ESG rating which is done by agencies such as Sustainalytics, Moody's, uh, MSCI. And so far we have one of the best, if not the best uh, ESG rating across uh, the MENA region. So that's in brief what I do among 
the other hats I have, be it chairing SDG 13, which is a climate action, as well as chairing the board of the corporate board of the World Green Building Council. That's really interesting, Ibrahim. Um, and I love that the, the, the general theme of what you said is about businesses that serve the world better, just does better over time. Um, and, and one of the themes that you touch upon in your book is a recent shift in the corporate paradigm towards the ESG agenda. Mm. We're seeing companies incorporating environmental and social policies into their corporate governance framework, but this is not just being done as a part of a CSR initiative, it also just makes sense from an economical perspective. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? And what is driving this shift in, in the outlook? That's a very good question. Thank you very much, because you just summed up the evolution of sustainability. And uh, I believe CSR no longer exists. CSR now, what you do uh, as a corporate social responsibility is, I, I, I call it uh, a community investment, because there is an investment in the community and you have to invest in the community from a pure, if you don't care and you should care about the community, from a pure risk assessment, uh, risk and compliance. Uh, there is an evolution of uh, of regulations as well as uh, customers with a purpose. So we are witnessing a, a shift from shareholder, as well we are shifting, a, a, we're witnessing a shift from stakeholder cap uh, shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism. So the formula of the business itself, how to run business is changing, especially post COVID-19. Uh, we should consider uh, our economic and community investment uh, because they're, they're uh, a safe and uh, uh, environment and healthy society means it's good for the community and good for the business. So people would think of it, okay, I need to invest more. Well, I'm stake for any organization to believe that ESG or sustainability is about added requirements to business as usual. No, it's running business in, in a good way, in a good matter. It's running business in a sustainable way, be it on the economic part, the profit part, the planet, because again, we live in one planet. And if you think of the resources you utilize in your business, be it in water, being spaces for landfill, even from a food perspective, uh, working with farmers, they're essential for the business model. So we need to incorporate the uh, environmental, social and governance issues uh, in the core principles uh, that enable business to function and create value. So what we are seeing here is uh, the, the, the establishment uh, for a post-COVID-19 era of sustainable business. So if you think of the E, environmental uh, resources and energy needed to a company to create profit, for example. So the best thing now, is the companies that are agile and resilient for the huge energy prices are companies who invested in renewable and clean and efficient energy. So if you have, if you run your business as an efficient energy, which we call it climate change mitigation, by the way, it means you are reducing the cost of using energy to run business. If you want to go into adaptation, it means you thought of, hmm, why don't I invest in having some renewable 
on site to help me to manage my costs as well as to reduce my carbon emissions. So these things, uh, uh, if you talk about resilience, if you thought of a climate risk uh, analysis, then you'll be fine with the floods are happening all over the world because you already designed for uh, a, a flood caused by climate change. So that's that's part. The S, if you if you think of your customers, your own people, uh, business will thrive. Employees uh, and the wider social ecosystem, uh, it's been part of the business. We are witnessing the great resignation and really genuinely people would like to work with companies with a purpose. So that's will hit your retention uh, numbers. Finally, the governance, of course, transparency is so important. Ethical and transparent organization and accountable are the organi organizations will stay in business, period. So everything I'm talking about now is business. It's not a CSR initiative or it's not something a business shouldn't think of. So this is how we look at the shift that companies must do if if they did not do already and if they don't consider doing uh, unfortunately they are risking being out of business soon yeah that's that's really true ibrahim and um we're seeing quite a shift in the way consumers are looking at the products that they're buying as well you, you touched upon that in the in the social and the s aspect of it where uh consumers are conscious of where their goods are being sourced from, what their life cycle of the product is, where do they end up eventually? And in some ways, there's a greater sense of accountability that end users are looking at uh, when they engage with, with companies now. Absolutely. And technological innovation, other than, this, other than the social media. For example, when I was younger, I used to Google companies to see if uh, they have a switch shop, child labor, or if they are bad for the environment. I would decide not to buy. Now, you don't need to do that. Other than the access to social media, we have a blockchain traceability. Now, companies that they would like to advance because customers will look at that. The QR code on the product itself, if you scan it, you will know exactly where this product came from and how it came to the shelf. And this is using blockchain technology. So the technological innovation added more pressure on corporates to be more transparent, but also uh, gave the confidence for the customers to know more about the products for many reasons, be it health and well-being, be it being ethical and sustainable, and simply being just responsible. Yeah, and, and that's a really good segue to the next question I was going to ask you, uh, because you've already touched upon AI, but what are the, the practical ways in which companies can start building sustainability principles into their corporate governance framework to, to get to that net positive state? So based on your experience of developing a successful sustainability strategy at MAF, what would be your advice? Ownership. Ownership from board to top senior to frontline employees. If we own to start with as a company, then we look at the stakeholders, then a common uh, ownership with stakeholders, be it the community and the regulator, that's the first step. If the leadership to start with is not championing sustainability, simply the rest of the organization won't follow. It's not something nice to do. It's a responsibility of the leader. And we see always the shadow of the leader. Uh, it is a, a, 
a no-brainer for a board or a CEO. Now, cascading the sustainability strategy across the organization, of course, you need to appoint sustainability champions. You need to have a standalone uh, subject matters experts with a company environmental and socioeconomic targets to steer the company in the right direction and ensure regular reporting is done to measure progress over time, which is technically means it's exactly a project management plan the way you run other businesses, but including sustainability in it. And this is where you embed sustainability. Then if in an advanced way, you need to start seeking accreditation to provide assurance to your stakeholders uh, that you are aligned with international best practices as you may do and you will do with other stuff as well in the business. I would add a point though with this, maybe people would think it's in competition. Well, it's not. Uh, you need to collaborate with peers, the public sector, uh, even whoever you think competition, academia and communities to respond to the needs of the stakeholders. My stakeholders are reviving and there is an evolution in the stakeholder and tailor, we need to tailor a sustainability strategy that responds to the risks and opportunities uh, of our geographies. Uh, sustainability is a social project and getting there is a collective work. We shouldn't forget about that. That's really beautiful, Ibrahim. I, I totally agree with that. And um, now for our final question, which is somewhat a personal one. Um, we're facing one of the worst climate crises that's affecting various parts of the world. Uh, we're seeing unprecedented floods, severe heat waves, alarming weather phenomena. But even in this moment of planetary crisis, what is the one thing that gives you hope for our planet? First of all, I am always positive, and I'm very, <laughs> I, I, I don't think. Uh, again, we have we have one planet. We don't have planet B. Honestly, like come True. on. <laughs> So I don't think uh, being negative and uh, pessimistic will help. But I have to say something. Uh, during COVID, just for like, although we have now a climate crisis, well, we had it before, but during COVID, it was a record year for companies and governments to commit to net zero. So that's good. Uh, in COVID, people like uh, started to listen to scientists. They admitted that there is a climate crisis. We don't have, if you noticed before COVID or a couple of years ago, we always had the climate deniers. We don't have climate deniers. If you go outside and say, well, climate change does not exist, people would look at you, really? You know, really? Yeah. You know, it's all over, like we had a drought, we have, so people are living the climate crisis. On a personal level, I would tell you, I started to look, I started to see people looking at sustainability in a holistic approach. And this is exactly what we need. Looking at holistic approach means I look at the different aspects of sustainability, how it's impact my socioeconomic part, how it impacts my well-being, how it impacts my mental uh, biodiversity, uh, long-term profitability. Uh, also from a regional perspective, I have COP27 in Egypt, Africa, and COP28 in the UAE. So if you ask me, I've never seen it as close as it is right now. So I'm very optimistic. Um, we have, I was, uh, I always like to talk to young people and youth. And I tell you something, in my generation, uh, we had to go to one or two schools to get uh, specialized environmental science. Now we have post young people with the postgraduates in environmental climate adaptation mitigation. So we have lots of subject matters experts. They know what they want. 
they uh, they want to do the right thing. And we have them here in our region with two cops related to climate happening, as well as the COVID pandemic was a wake up call to let the people know about the other crisis and pandemic that we used that we were living, which is climate change. So I think uh, nothing, although we do have, uh, unfortunately and sadly, droughts and uh, floods, but the humankind now are more aware of the impact of climate change. And that's that's a very good start for me, that people now are talking about solutions, not they are not debating the problem. And this is what we need. And I'm happy to celebrate that. Thanks, Ibrahim. That positive outlook is the need of the hour. And I love that we're ending today's episode on that note. The reason we wanted to do this podcast series is to look at the ESG landscape in the Middle East from different and unique perspectives. It has been fascinating to hear you talk about private sector engagement and the principle that success in the sustainability space is not at odds with financial performance. You have definitely given us a lot to take away and think about. Thanks again for talking to us. It was great to have you on board. Thank you very much. Shukran, stay safe, stay healthy.